This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. I want to ask you to open your Bible and turn to the book of Luke chapter 6. This will be a little bit of a departure for me in that we're going to stay in Luke chapter 6 and you're not going to be jumping around. We're just going to be reading through Luke chapter 6. And here in Luke chapter 6, Jesus has an encounter with some of the Pharisees and the Pharisees were considered the religious rulers of the day. The Pharisees were the people who were leading in Israel. Uh, Typically the Pharisees were from whom the high priest came at that time and those kind of things. And so Jesus on this occasion has this confrontation with the Pharisees. And we're going to start in verse 6, specifically in verse 6 here this morning. It says, And it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught. And there was a man whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and Pharisees watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day that they might find an accusation against him. So I want you to specifically think just for a minute about these people. All these people have an opportunity to sit and listen to Jesus. They have an opportunity to hear directly from the words of the Master. And no doubt they've been hearing about the miracles that he did, or maybe even they've seen some of the miracles he did. And what an opportunity that they have to sit down and listen because he enters the synagogue and he's going to teach. But as he's there teaching, he noticed that there's a man with the withered hand. Now, Brandon and I, just a couple weeks ago, we saw this young lady in Africa. And as you can see here, she's got a withered hand. And she can't use that hand. She can't extend that hand. It's of no use to her. Essentially, uh, it's just withered up and it's pulled up into a position that she can't use. And so this is the situation. Jesus is teaching, but he sees this man with a useless hand. And he begins to think about and care for this man. Now I want to go on to verse 8. But he knew their thoughts. And said to the man which had the withered hand, Rise up and stand forth in the midst. So he didn't just go over and do this in a corner. He brings him right out in the front. Stand up here. We want everybody to see you. Then said Jesus unto them. Who did he say this to? These Pharisees. These people. I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful? On the Sabbath day, to do good? That's the question. I want to ask you a question. Is it okay on Sunday to do good? He says, is it lawful on the Sabbath day to do evil? To save life or to destroy it? Now I want to kind of put this in perspective. We're, we're supposed to worship on Sunday. The Lord's commanded that. We have responsibility to worship on Sunday. And if a person who typically comes and worships on Sunday, 
if they were to go three or four or five weeks and not worship, we would all think, what's going on? Wouldn't we? We would think something's wrong. Would it be wrong on Sunday, instead of going to church, to go pull someone out of a house that was burning? Would it be okay to miss church for that reason? And I think everyone here would probably say, yeah, that would, that would be okay. Is it lawful to save life on Sunday? And I, I think the answer would be yes, it's lawful. Even on the Sabbath day, they were to do no work. And the Pharisees tried to strictly follow this rule to not work on Sabbath. And so here's the prophet Jesus, who some of them held as a prophet at least, and they're watching him to see, will he heal on the Sabbath day? Because in their eyes, that's evil. And I think we would all agree to heal someone who had a withered arm, probably a good thing. It's probably going to help them. Verse 10, and looking round upon them all, he said to the man, stretch forth thy hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored whole as the other. Wouldn't it have been wonderful to have been able to see that with your own eyes, to sit there with this man in the middle, this hand all withered up and useless, and Jesus say, stretch it forth, and he to go. Wouldn't you be going, man, look at this. Did you see that? Here's what I want you to notice. And they were filled with madness. These these people, these people, were they happy? Nope. Were they going, this is incredible? Nope. Were they going, we have seen something that's unbelievable? Were they going, I got to go get Fred. Fred's got a bad foot. Wait, I got to get Fred. Nope, they're going, they're, they're so angry. They're so filled with rage that Luke calls it madness. And all they can think about is that they communed with one another what they might do to Jesus. How can we get this guy? How can we destroy this man? What kind of person are you? Are you that kind of person? I think probably every one of us here today would go, I'm I'm not that kind of person. Well, I'll tell you, Jesus taught something here in Luke chapter 6. We're going to read a part of this chapter. We're not going to read the whole chapter. He calls it, we call it the Beatitudes. And it's also in Matthew. And and it's very common for Christians to read about uh, the teachings of Jesus. But I want you to specifically think about what Jesus is trying to teach here and to show a group of people who had a terrible attitude in their heart about other people. And they, they were the religious leaders and they were supposed to be holy. They were supposed to be really special. But the truth is, they were angry because a man got healed on the Sabbath. And Jesus asked a really simple question. Is it right or wrong to do good on the Sabbath? Is it right or wrong to do evil on the Sabbath? And I think he was teaching them that they were missing out on one of the great tenets of his faith, of the Christian faith, is how we treat people. 
And the Pharisees had a problem because they looked down upon people because they looked down on people because they weren't holy. And they were filled with pride and they looked at people and said, you're not as good as me. And they had so much pride in their hearts that they could look at someone with a, a withered hand and have no compassion for that person. And in fact, be angry. Be angry. <clears throat> All right, he talks about two groups of people. He talks about the blessed and the woeful. And I want to spend just a moment on this. Verse 20, And Jesus lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are ye that hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast out your names as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Now listen to what he says. Rejoice ye in that day. And leap for joy. Do you leap for joy quite often? I couldn't say I do. Uh, I get pretty excited from time to time about this or that. I don't know about the last time that I just jumped up and down because I was so happy. Some of y'all know Paul Savage. Uh, he was a football coach over there in Stratford and chanced their team won state championship in football. And Paul was jumping up and down towards Achilles. Maybe there's good reason to not leap for joy. Jesus said, leap for joy. Why should we leap for joy, he said? Because you're poor? Because people hate you and revile you? Think about what he's saying here. And Jesus is describing two different kinds of people. And one of these groups of people is not got all the world's goods. They're not wealthy. They're sad. They're crying. They're, they're not the happiest group of people. And they are hated by a lot of people. That's one group of people that he describes to them. Leap for joy. He says, rejoice in the day that you're treated this way. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. And we look for a better reward than just the popularity of men. That's the idea. We ought to look for a greater reward than wealth here on earth or happiness and having a life just filled with joy and pleasure. He's describing a greater reward, a reward in heaven. For he says, in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. That's the way Jesus described this. Now I want to go on now in verse 24, but he says, Woe unto you that are rich, for you have received your consolation. Well, We've had a number of sermons in the past year. I don't know if you're aware of this, but if you live in America, you're rich. You, you can be the poorest of the poor in America. You're still rich. Brandon and I talked to a young lady a couple of weeks ago in Nigeria. She works 24-hour shifts, 24 hours straight. She's 24 on, 24 off. She does it all month, 24 on, 24 off. And she makes $45 a month. She feels pretty happy. She's got a pretty good job. 
The day she's off, she's putting herself through nursing school. I'll tell you, we are rich. We don't think of it that way. We don't want to look at it that way because here in America, we want to measure ourselves by Elon Musk or Bill Gates or something. But that's not really going to work with the Lord. He says, Woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. What does that mean? You've already got the good stuff. You're not going to get the blessings of heaven. That's a scary thought. What if you're not going to get to enjoy heaven because of your wealth? What if you're going to miss out on heaven and the best thing you're going to get is right now today. It's as good as it's ever going to get for you. I don't care if you are Bill Gates or Elon Musk. It ain't too good. He says, Woe unto you that are full, for ye shall hunger. We was talking to some of those preachers in Nigeria, and I'm sorry you're getting so much Nigeria. I just spent two weeks there, so I apologize, but it just... We was talking to those preachers. Well, they had a big money crunch, and it doesn't make any sense, but their government decided you're going to have to turn in all the money. Can you imagine if the President of the United States said you've got to turn in every coin and every dollar, every 20, every 50, every 100 has got to turn into the government, and we're going to issue new money. That's what they did. Well, the government in Nigeria didn't have enough new money, so there was a money shortage. And they were paying 50% to go get money. They would go and say, I need 10,000 naira. And they said, it'll cost you 5,000 to get it. And they were going hungry. And so they were telling us about how to handle hunger. Do you know how to handle it? I don't. They said, you don't eat all day long. Just don't eat. Try to stay busy. And then eat, eat if you're going to eat. Eat something before you go to bed. That way you don't lay up all night with hunger pains. We don't know, do we? we? We don't have a clue. But you know, he says, Woe to you that are full, for ye shall hunger. Then he says, Woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. For so did their fathers to the false prophets. I want to tell you, Jesus is teaching a hard teaching. You want to look at a hard teaching, open Luke chapter 6. It's a hard one. Because everything he just describes in these few verses, we got it. We've got it. And everything he described in these verses, the Pharisees had it. They were typically wealthy. They were well thought of. They were healthy and happy. And Jesus said, woe unto you. And I want to tell you why I believe he's saying that. Because of the way that they treated other people. Now Jesus came and taught a different way, a better way. He came and bucked a system that had been in place for thousands of years. And he taught something that was much greater. It was different. And it was better. And it is what you and I are called to. You are called to behave better. 
and be better. You and I are called to a standard that is higher, and in fact, it is the greatest standard that there is. And he, in teaching these things, he said, you better watch out. Woe to you if you live this way. Woe to you if you think you've got it all. Woe to you if you're looking down your nose at other people. Woe to you. And so he says, some are blessed. The poor, he says, are blessed. The rich have woe. The hungry, he says, they are blessed. The full have woe. Those who weep and those who have sorrow, he says, are blessed. And those who laugh and have joy, he pronounces woe. And then he says, those who are hated are blessed. And those who are loved have woe. What do you think that means? What does that mean to you? You I I don't know how you may feel like this applies to you, but I'm going to tell you something that I believe it will apply to every one of us here. We're in one of these two groups. They're, They're not a third group. You're either in one of these or you're not. And I want to tell you, and and here's the way I'd like for you to look at this. If you were to ask the Pharisees which group they were in, do you think they would have said, well, I'm in the poor group? If you were to ask the Pharisees which group, would they say, well, I'm in the hungry group? I, I guarantee you, if the Lord come and ask us, which group we were in, we probably wouldn't say, I'm in this group. But we'd certainly want to be in it. We want to be blessed, but we want to be rich. We want to be blessed, but we want to be full. We want to be blessed and laugh and love. I want it all. (laughs) I want all of it. So he goes on to teach, and I want to go to verse 27. But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them which curse you, pray for them which despitefully use you, and unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other, and him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also, uh, one of the Nigerian evangelists, we were studying together one day, and he raised his hand, and we said, you got a question? He said, how, how do you love your enemy? How do we do that? That's not the easiest thing to do. How many enemies you... If you're here today, and you have an enemy, raise your hand. I don't either. He describes a people who will be hated for their Christianity. And certainly they were. Certainly the early Christians were hated for their Christianity. But he says, even if you're hated, you ought to love your enemy and do good to them that hate you. 
Try to help people that hate you. This is the idea, and here's what I want you to get from this. We've been called to a higher standard. You know, the Jews were an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth, wound for wound, brand for brand, burning for burning. That's what they were. And if someone hurt you, you could go hurt them back. If they poked out your eye, you could go take their eye, and on and on and on. And Jesus comes along, and he teaches something that's much greater Love your enemy. If your enemy's hungry, feed your enemy. If your enemy's house is on fire, you go pull him out. If your enemy needs help, you help your enemy. That's the idea. I'll ask you a question. Why did he say this? And here's what I mean. Just earlier in the chapter, we have a man with a withered hand sitting in the synagogue. And these people look at him with with disdain because they think he's evil. He's clearly done some sin to cause himself to have this condition. He's evil, and he's wicked, and he's getting what he deserves. That's the way they were looking at this man. And they look down on that man and they're in such a condition in their heart. They have such a condition in their mind. They have such an attitude of life that the fact is they are poor. And they are blind. They are standing in a room with Jesus and they can't even see the end of their nose. That's where they were. They were filled with madness when the Lord tried to help that man, when the Lord helped that man. So he teaches something that's much greater in these passages. Now verse 30. Give to every man that asketh of thee. Tom Hicklin and I was up in Washington State a few years ago. We pulled into the Walmart. At, 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 they got Walmarts in Washington and I go to them. There's a lady with a sign sitting on the hood of a car. It says, need help, stranded. And there were two or three kids playing around there, and I pulled in, and Tom Hicklin said, look at that. And I said, yeah. He said, let's go talk to them. And I said, Tom, they're just con artists. They're just con artists. They're just trying to get your money. He said, I want to go talk to them. So he went, and he started talking with this lady, and there were some kids running around there, and I walked around the car, And in the back of the car, there was four or five more signs. They had different sayings. And uh, so I come back around the front of the car, and there's Tom. And I said, how you doing? So he said, okay. And we left. He said, yeah, they come over here to get a job, and they're stranded. The job didn't work out. They don't have a place to stay, and they don't have any money. They got all these kids. He said, let's go in there and buy some groceries. I said, Tom, these are con artists. He said, let's go buy them some groceries. I said, okay, let's go buy them some groceries. We went and uh, we bought them some peanut butter and some loaf of bread and some things and we come back and give to them. And I said, uh, Tom, you're just throwing your money away. You're just throwing your money away. Because these people, they're just after your money. And he said, I'm going to let the Lord worry about that. I'll just let the Lord worry about that. And I said, well, I guess I ain't going to worry about it either. I, I don't know. 
You ever think that maybe you and I are scarred by the, what we see every day? I don't know about you. I don't give nobody money standing on a corner. I think there's probably people who need money. I want to help those people. I want you to think about what the Lord says here. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. You ever have somebody come and take away something that's yours? You want it back? Well, sure. Jesus is describing a manner of life and a way of life that was much different than what the Jews were used to living. And he's describing a standard of one is generosity. If somebody needs help, help them. He didn't say do all your research and find out exactly why they need help. He says help them. And then he goes on and he ups it a little bit more. If he takes away your goods, don't ask for them back. That's pretty hard, isn't it? Verse 31, he says, And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. We call this the golden rule. Every parent teaches it to their children. The golden rule, treat people the way you want to be treated. And I think it's a wonderful statement. It's a wonderful saying. And we should obviously embrace this, not just in one area of life, but in all areas of life. We should treat people the way that we would like to be treated. All right, verse 32. Jesus gives the why. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. Now, if you only... Give to people that love you. What's special about that? If we're only generous to people who are generous to us, what's special about that? If we're only nice to people who are nice to us, what does that mean? He's describing a whole lot higher standard than just be generous. What he's teaching here is be generous to everyone, even your enemies. Be generous to everyone, even the ones you disagree with. Be generous and kind to everyone, even the person who's stolen from you. That's what he's saying. He says in verse 33, If you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. He's, Jesus was the master. He's teaching something and he's showing us what you're doing is no better than people who are totally sinful. Because you know what? Even Pharisees were good to their own people. Even the Pharisees were kind to other Pharisees. And he's teaching us a greater and higher standard. Verse 34, If ye lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. Our Lord, he's teaching something that's, that's really far above. <clears throat> Verse 35. But love your enemies. Do good and lend 
hoping for nothing again. You know, if you lend someone some flour, you probably don't expect to get that back. If you lend someone a, a six-pack of Coca-Cola, you may not worry about that again. If you lend someone $10,000, I might kind of not, not need that. I may kind of come say, hey, I need that. Look at what the Lord says. Lend hoping for nothing. Why should I do that? He says, your reward shall be great. And you shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. I want you to listen to what he said. He is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Have you wronged the Lord? I have. I betrayed the Lord. I've done evil to the Lord. I've not kept the promises I've promised to the Lord. Are you in the same boat as me? He's kind to me. He gives and he gives and he gives to me. And he blesses me and he loves me. I want to tell you, Jesus is living the same thing he wants us to live. He is doing what he has asked us to do. He has done it over and over again. Jesus is giving a treaty on how to be a good human being. On how you and I can be good human beings. Good neighbors and good friends. He's teaching us the answer to all the world's problems. Because we live in a world today full of people who hate one another. We live in a country divided by race and by wealth and by every other little old nitpicky thing you can find. And if we would all put these principles into practice, what a wonderful world it would be to live in, wouldn't it? But if we as Christians will practice these things and behave in this way, we'll shine like lights. It'll glorify God and what a blessing it will be. Okay, <clears throat> 36, be ye therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful. We have a responsibility to be merciful. Now in my line of work, from time to time, I run across people who are really at odds with their brothers and sisters in Christ. Sometimes it's family members, sometimes it's husbands and wives. And people have a hard time being merciful. And I want to tell you today, we have a responsibility to be merciful, to extend mercy when we're wronged, when we're hurt, when we're slighted. We have a responsibility to be merciful just like our Father in heaven is merciful. Now, there's a reason for this, and I'm going to share that with you just here in a minute. Because we've talked about how we're treating other people, and some of this has to do with finances. 
Some of this has to do with lending and money and those kind of things, and those are hard things. But this has to do with a whole other level because I have people from time to come come to me and they go, do I have to forgive him? You bet you do. If you want the Lord to forgive you, you have to forgive. And so here's what Jesus says next. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. All these things, are, they're put right back on us. I, I don't want to be condemned. I don't want to be condemned. I, I want to be told, well done, good and faithful service. But if I don't want to be condemned, then I shouldn't go around condemning people. And I don't want to be judged, at least judged in a harsh way or unfair way. And if I don't want to be judged, I shouldn't go around judging. I want to be forgiven. So the idea is I've got to be a forgiving kind of person. And if we all do these things, we're living a higher standard. We're living and following a way that he's asked us to live. And so our Lord teaches some really hard things here in Luke chapter 6. And these things specifically pertain to how you and I treat other people. As Christians and as human beings. How we treat other people. And he just goes through some basic things. Some of the things where people tend to have challenges I suppose. Lending and wanting it back. Giving money to people, forgiveness, those kind of things. Helping people, being nice to people. And then some of them are way up there. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Who despitefully lose, use you and so on and so forth. Now, verse 38 is the verse that's the kicker. He says, give. I want you to look at that. Give. Give what? What should I give? Should I give my money? Should I give my time? What, what, what do I give, Lord? Give. And it shall be given unto you. I'll say the kind of human being you are is going to come back to you. I think that's what he's describing. Give what? Give forgiveness. Give what? Well, give, give your money away. Lend and don't ask again. Give a cheerful greeting. Give goodness to someone who hates you. Give patience to someone who don't deserve it. Give love. Give, and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over. What does that mean? I've been reading this. I've been reading this passage every couple of days for two months. And I've been thinking about this, trying to understand what this is teaching. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And I, I keep getting this image in my mind of trying to get into a, a sack all I can get. I don't know what. I guess anything that comes to mind. Dirt, 
uh, money. <laughs> trying to get a sack full of candy, and I'm trying to get all the candy I can get in that sack, and I'm shaking it, and I'm mashing, and I'm... That's the image that comes to my mind. Give, and it shall be given unto you. What will be given unto us? All these kinds of things. I want to tell you something. You want to have a miserable life? Don't forgive no one. And you're going to have a bunch of grudges, and you're going to have a bunch of hatred, and you're going to be mean and ornery, and everyone around you is going to put it right back on you. And they're not going to forgive you. And that's the lesson right there. Give forgiveness, and forgiveness will be given back to you. If you're forgiving to people, and you're kind to people, and the day you goof up, and the day you mess up and do wrong, they'll forgive you. He says, give, good measure, press down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. Lend to your brothers and sisters. Be good to those who ask of you and say, here, go ahead. You need a, a wrench? Take my wrench. Don't ask for it back. You need an extension cord? Here it is. You need a cup of flour? Here it is. You need $1,000? Here it is. Take it. Don't ask for it back. You need to borrow my car? Take the car. You understand? And then the day that you're in need, it'll be given to you. Whatever you need, people will provide, and it'll be into your bosom. Kindnesses and love and care. He's talking about being good human beings. The best Christians. And how we treat one another. And not just how we treat one another in the church. I'm talking about how we treat the Baptist right down the street. Or the Methodist. Or the folks at Cornerstone. That's what he's describing. You know I get real angry. Because the postman for whatever reason on Saturday. Throws my mail to the back of my box. It's aggravating to me. And I thought one day I'm going to write him a letter and say, would you please just not throw the mail to the back of the mailbox? And I thought, you know, I'd been reading this. I'll get my mail. I get my mail every Saturday. He's talking about a way of life. And these Pharisees looked at a man with a withered hand. A man who was hurting. A man who needed help. A man who had problems in his life. And they couldn't see past the nose on their face to be a good enough human being to be happy he was healed. Give and it shall be given unto you. Not a little bit. Not... A tiny little amount, more than you can handle, is going to be put into your life. That's what he describes. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. If you're kind to people, if you're generous and forgiving, if you're the kind of person who helps other people and is generous and loving, and I, I don't know what all the adjectives I should use, if you do that, that's going to come back to you. From people, certainly. From the Lord, absolutely. There's two groups of people. The blessed and the woeful. 
The woeful had a miserable life. Why? Because they couldn't see past the end of their face to be good to people and help people and be kind to people. I tell you, this breaks my heart. What a challenge this, this young lady has. And I want you to evaluate your life today. I'm going to ask you to get out your songbooks today. <clears throat> I believe this is a, it's a hard teaching. Jesus taught things that were hard. They were hard because the nature that we have as human beings sometimes is to be vindictive. Sometimes we have a nature within ourselves, I believe, in the church where we feel like we're holier than that. We're just better than other people. That was the problem the Pharisees had. They, they just felt like they were holier than better than everybody. I just don't believe that's what Jesus taught. They were filled with madness. They had a wrong way of thinking. I want to tell you, if you've lived in your life and you don't stop and take time to dwell on how to be a good human being, how to live in a way that Jesus has taught us to live, how to try to meet a high standard. It's a high standard. We ought to try to meet it and be a shining light in an old dark world. That's what we'll be. A shining light. A city set on a hill. We'll be the kind of people that other folks come to for help when we offer help. We will offer kindness and not judgment or condemnation. I think that's the idea. These folks were supposed to be the most religious people. Think about that. These Pharisees were the elite religious people. And they were filled with madness when Jesus healed a man. And we've got to be careful to not be that people. But to be like Jesus. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.